we're in uh, this week of our year-end series called Revelation. If you haven't been here with us or if you're new with us, every year around the summertime, we begin to pray and ask God for a prophetic word for our church for the coming year. Regardless of how hard this last year or two years has been, we, we just believe that God is actually more interested in where we're going than where we've been, that he's got his eyes set on your future, that 2022 is a year that he is intending to work and to move in your life. And so as a leadership and a staff, we take time to pray through and ask God what his heart is for our church. And we felt like the word that he gave us for 2022 is revelation. And that word in English comes from the Greek word, uh, apocalypsos. And that word doesn't mean tragedy or that's not like, you know, uh, apocalypse now, that doesn't mean disaster or world ending event. Apocalypsos means unveiling. It's a pulling back of the cover. It's like an opening of the blinds. It would be if we open those blinds behind Heather there, we would see Mountain Road. We'd have an apocalypse of Mountain Road and Fireman's Park. Revelation for us, in, in this sense, we just sense God stirring us and saying, you need to understand and see what uh, is going on under the surface. Things aren't always as they seem. The spiritual reality of our world, I would argue, is more real than the reality that we can touch and feel. And as we've been looking through Revelation, we've been looking at um, how Jesus met John in, in an apocalypse. He took the cover off. He revealed the reality of what was happening. In the natural, he saw the supernatural. And we need that same kind of reset to not just be governed by everything happening around us, everything we see and hear and experience, but we need to be led by the spirit in the spiritual realm. That that is actually the place that God is calling us to live out of. And so we are in this next week in that. And as a part of that, we've been connecting that in with Advent. And uh, we're doing this upstairs here. Your kids are doing this downstairs right now. Our cards didn't come from the printer this week, but that's okay. Um, we're going to read some verses together still. And what we want to do is just encourage you, if you're not uh, in our sort of, don't get a weekly email from us, uh, go online on our website, mp.church, and a pop-up will come up and that just asks if you want to subscribe to our email. You can do that, and you'll get the instructions for this week via email, probably tomorrow. But our heart is that um, in these weeks that you would just take a few moments during the week to be intentional with your spiritual life and specifically uh, with your, uh, the people that are significant to you in your life, whether that's your kids or your spouse or your friends, that you would actually do something with what you're experiencing here, with what God is stirring in you here. And so we're going to step into our Advent reading and you can, are they able to follow along on screen? Yeah, so the verses will be on the screen. I'm gonna invite Cliff up. Um, Cliff, why don't you introduce yourself and how you serve here, and then you can take it away. Yeah, I'm Cliff. Okay, I'm on. Okay, good morning. My name's Cliff. I uh, serve on the parking uh, at, at the church. I've been here just over a year, 
and uh, it's an awesome place, and uh, good morning. So we're reading from Isaiah um, 9, uh, verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Mighty Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. I've got this marked. I was going to read it from my app, but it's much better from the Bible. <clears throat> A reading from Mark 4, verse 35. An evening came, and Jesus said to the disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up, and high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat, and his head on a cushion. The disciples woke up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you so afraid? Why do you still have so little faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the winds and the waves obey him. And finally from John 4, 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or be afraid. Amen. So today we're talking about having a revelation of peace. And um, today, this week and next week are going to be um, incredible. Not because of my preaching in any way, but because um, of what God does when we step out in faith with him. I've mentioned this before, but if you're new here, um, this this week uh, and next week are, are unique here at Mountain Park. And um, for the last number of years, at the end of the year, we've taken an offering all together above and beyond our giving as a thank you to God for everything he's done, but as an offering of faith for what we believe he wants to do in our life, in our church. It's an offering that allows us to expand and grow um, over the last number of years, God has been so good and so faithful. And this year, as a, as a, a kind of a test of faith, I think even, <laughs> um, typically the offering would be this Sunday and then the following Sunday is what we call Giveaway Sunday. But earlier this fall, I just sensed Jesus saying, I, wa I want you to trust me in a different way this year. I want you to do the giveaway offering first and then take an offering for the church and for the future of the church in 2022. And, and honestly, I, I kind of just said, what? What do you, God, this year has been like a roller coaster in every way. And financially too, it's been crazy. I mean, God has been super faithful and we have a great team that stewards the resources of our church really well, but we've had to like re-budget like nine times. 
Like, oh, okay, that's not gonna be that way. All right, this is not gonna happen this year. That's not gonna happen this year. We've had to hold things off and, and, and just delay things. And that's why the renos took forever and things like that. And they're still going on. But, um, but I just said, God, what do you, like, of all the years when things are so uncertain and when I have the least amount of faith right now in you, you're gonna ask us to take an offering where we just give the whole thing away, every cent of it. And then the next week, we'll take an offering for the future. And he said, yeah, that's what I want you to do. And so today, that's what we're doing. And a part of um, this journey for us is trusting in the leadership of Jesus, trusting that where Jesus is present, we can walk in total peace. And today is is about having a revelation of peace. And the reality is, is that peace is not a thing. Peace is not just serenity. Uh, peace is not just the absence of war or conflict. Peace isn't just getting along with people. Uh, of course, it's all of these things. But what scripture comes to declare to us is that peace is a person that it's not just a, a good feeling after a great conversation, or it's not just knowing that all the ducks are in a row, that peace is not having certainty about what's coming next. I have total peace in, in God in, in shifting even the, the, the way we're doing the end of the year this year. Total peace, but that peace is not a result of me knowing what's gonna happen. I have no idea what's gonna happen today or even next week when we give above and beyond for the work of God in our church. I don't know, but peace is not a certainty about what's gonna happen. It's a proximity to a person and that person is Jesus. That's why Isaiah said, a child is born to us, a son will be given, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In the Jewish culture, in the context of the Bible and scripture, usually the word used for peace is called shalom. But that word shalom in the Hebrew context is very deep, it's wide, it has a very wide breadth of meaning. It's not just serenity or it's not just the absence of conflict, it has this deep, wide meaning. It means total well-being, prosperity, and the security associated with God's presence among his people. So when Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, he's the Prince of Wholeness. He's the Prince of Completeness, like everything is lining up. That Jesus is the one who brings everything into order in our life, who brings everything into alignment. He's the Prince of Wholeness. He's the Prince who brings our whole life into purpose and meaning and significance. He's the Prince of healing and safety and restoration of salvation and well-being. He is the Prince, the person who brings our whole life into alignment alignment with the heartbeat and the purposes of God. And that's the place where we experience the shalom of God. When our whole being internally, our, our feelings and our thoughts and our emotion, our internal, our mindset, how we think and how we act and how we're living and the decisions we're making, when they're brought into alignment with God, we experience shalom. That means wholeness and peace. 
Notice how that verse says he's, that a child is born to us. Matthew said it in a similar way. The virgin will conceive a child, should give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's here. He was here. He is here and he will be here. Peace is a person, not a circumstance. We need to grasp that today in a world that is just like the waters are foaming around us. The waves are crashing in around us. It seems like chaos everywhere is reigning in the world. The peace is not the absence of the chaos around us. It's the proximity we have to the person of Jesus, even in the middle of the worst of the worst things we can go through. Today, this offering that we're giving away, like I said, every cent that you give today is gonna to be given away. And we feel as a church that God has called us, just as a church, to reestablish ministry to the body. Like caring for you, caring for the people in our church, is a first priority for us, not just always caring for everybody outside the church. That's really important and we do that too. But God has called us to care for the body, to care for those who are desperate and needing uh, encouragement and life and, and practical help in our church. And so this offering today that we're taking, whatever you give today, is gonna be going to Connor and Sarah Prebianca and their family who have been through quite literally hell. And it doesn't look like there's a rosy end to that story even right now. We're in the middle of it. But God has been teaching them some powerful things about how to trust him in the middle of the storm. So I, if you're not familiar with them or haven't met them, we just shot this brief little interview for you to get to know them and hear a bit of their story. So let's play that and then I'll come up and we'll close it off. All right, thanks Connor and Sarah uh, for spending some time with us. Uh, we're so privileged to get to know you over the last year or so in the life of our church. And we've been tracking with you and with Georgia and your family and some of that. And uh, a whole bunch of people from our church have been doing that. And we just thought it'd be great to catch up again and just get sort of caught up on what's happening in your lives and um, sort of so that we can know how to best pray for you as we continue on, but also what we can learn from you in what you're experiencing in your life, something that uh, I think will strengthen and build the faith of everybody else. So for those who haven't had the chance to meet you, maybe just introduce yourselves, talk to us for a minute about your girls, and let's just kind of shift that into conversation about Georgia. Yeah, sure. So I'm Connor. I'm Sarah. And we've been married for going on eight eight years now, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Uh, we have two little girls, so Camilla or Millie, she's four. And we got Georgia, and she is two. So talk to us a little bit about what's been happening in Georgia's life, and maybe even sort of when you started noticing things weren't sort of lining up the way they should. 
Yeah, so it's it's been a whirlwind kind of a couple of years in, in Georgia's life. We definitely first started noticing that things were not right when she was around three months old, but um, not meeting milestones, kind of the first set of milestones, but it wasn't really until we went on uh, vacation with family friend at five months that it uh, kind of had these two little girls beside each other and it was just like, man, there's there's just something not right with Georgia. There's uh, those milestones and the movements and the kind of this little skill builder uh, or skills, I should say gross motor skills haven't been met yet, so. So out of that, family holiday what was sort of next for you as you sort of started to kind of figure out what was going on with her Mm -hmm. so we got referred to a pediatrician and we saw them shortly after and she was she was worried right away and she made a referral to a neuromuscular specialist that day we went to McMaster and he just shook his head and was so confused and kept saying that it has to be extremely rare and uh, that's when we started the microarray testing and then we moved on to the whole exome sequence testing, which is when we got the Leshnihan diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So give us a bit of a snapshot of like how long of a time period was it between sort of that first initial yeah. test and then the diagnosis you got? Yeah, so Georgia was seven months. Six months. Six it months. was a year yeah. in it between. It was a full year, yeah. So we did the the two kind of high level tests and they take six months in between it. And then we just said, we got to do the full exome sequence and uh, to really dive in and see what's going on in the genetic code. Yeah. And that's, it was about a year after we first started seeing the pediatrician and specialist that we found that out. Yeah. So maybe bring us to that, that moment when you actually got the diagnosis and you started kind of realizing like this is actually real. Mm-hmm. And this is actually a really significant, big, big thing. Like your whole lives literally changed in an instant. Yeah. God had spoken to me a couple weeks prior about that day, the diagnosis day. And he told me that I'd have to choose between running to him and finding that peace and comfort and wholeness or being angry and running from him and resenting him. And I thought it was the weirdest thing for God to speak. But then when we got the diagnosis, I was made very aware that that is what he was talking about. And I went through a couple week period of being extremely angry and confused and hurt um, that this disease existed. Um, And then it was um, a couple weeks after that I really realized that I could not do this without God because doing it without him was torture in every way. So that's when it was for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, she had had all the symptoms of the disease prior. So it, when I first, when the diagnosis first happened, it was just like uh, numb, I guess. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. I knew it everything, it's basically everything she had already just now had a name. Now, when you look up the name of Lesh 9, it's pretty crazy. Some of the Google results that you get, especially on the images, it's not for faint of heart, as they say. 
Um, so that was like the big blow is like, is this going to be our daughter when you see some of these images? And thank God many times it doesn't end up like that. Sometimes it does, but it was, it kind of took about a week or so. And then I started getting in the same low place and anger generally as well. And part of, part of this is that this is like extremely rare for girls, especially. Yeah. So just talk to us about like the reality of it being really rare, but also there's some big stuff that is possible yeah. that can be pretty scary. So how, how have you been just processing those kinds of things? It's really hard not to be jumpy um, or jump to conclusions with certain things that Georgia does. So. Sometimes when she gets really upset, she'll pull her hair. And when she first started doing that, we're like, oh my gosh, is this the beginning of the self-injury behavior? Sometimes if she's kind of uncomfortable and kind of like waking up from a nap, let's say she'll chew the insides of her cheeks and she still does that. And we're trying to work and do different techniques so that she doesn't. But when she first did that, we're like, oh my goodness, like, is this the beginning? It's almost like a... Like you're kind of expect you don't want to be expecting something, but you kind of are, and it's like this stress that's always there without you you realizing it. But I mean, and that but that goes with the rest of her her condition as well. Just her being so kind of debilitated makes things difficult on a day to day because she's just there. You have to do everything for her. Right? Having a newborn essentially for two years. A thirty pound newborn. Yeah, a thirty pound newborn. <laughs> she's not a lightweight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, give us maybe a little bit of a quick idea of um, what sort of daily life is like mm -hmm. uh, with her or for her and sort of what you, what kind of mountains you're up against or you, you're in the middle of a storm, really, and we've been praying and fasting and yeah, like, yeah. Um, and it doesn't seem like some of the big answers are coming or the storm is really quieting, yeah. but... Um, you know, what is a, a normal day like for you guys? And how do you, um, how do you find any peace in that? So Georgie has recently had about eight good days. And that is the most consecutive good days we've had ever in her life. Yeah. Um, her days are feeds, meds, um, and physio exercises, speech therapy exercises, and occupational therapy exercises. So she's either always on a feed, um, or she's exercising, she's watching her iPad, or um, we're trying to get her to feed orally um, because most of her food is through her G-tube. Um, she is supposed to nap, but that has been an issue. So it's, it's normally uh, at least 12 hour days of her being awake and needing things all the time, whether it's just me switching the video on the iPad or positioning her body in different ways so that um, she has like stimulation on side lying. Um, her days are very involved on a good day. And then if it's a bad day, um, her irritability is like through the roof and we're pretty sure it's because of pain, but we're, we ask the doctors, they'll be telling us that it's neuro irritability and that we should sedate her. So there, there's some really hard days. Yeah. A lot of not knowing what to do because she can't communicate. Right. So, yeah. uh, so like Sarah was saying, the doctors just say sometimes like we've had doctors tell us 
put her in her bedroom and close just the close the door and let her cry. I was just <laughs> going to let her do that. And, but, the, or medicate, right? Medicate, medicate. I mean, she is on a variety of medications already. And to Sarah's point too, we do, like, it's crazy. We do, we do meds on a weekly basis because of all the syringes. It's like 90 syringes, like every week, like it's crazy. But, um, yeah, it, it's just, it, the bad days, the tough days are hard. Because yeah. we're torn between actually finding peace, like kind of where we're going with this, but then also t- trying to take care of our girl and dealing with parent guilt kind of at the same time too. Yeah. Um, but how do we find peace? Um, <laughs> the good days help. The good days do help. <laughs> it's almost like they're the survival kind of in between. And I don't know if I should be laughing or crying because the hard days are extremely difficult, like like the near irritability, but then also like the vomiting and yeah, when she gets too upset, she just vomits. And then we got to clean that up. And I don't know. But where we find peace, uh, there's been amazing supports of people from this church or it's our families and uh, that we can go to in those tough times. That has helped with the peace, too. And we're really good with sensing kind of each other. Yeah. And uh, I think that's kind of been a Holy Spirit thing that's come along in our marriage, especially this year. But yeah. we're just like, hey, you need to take a break. Like, this is chaos right now, but yeah. you need to get out of here. Um, we'll have, yeah. yeah, we'll have friends call us and do like a four minute prayer and it just is everything we need. And then like, we just have new hope and new faith, um, right after that. What would you say to somebody who's like, they're in the middle of their own storm or they can't seem to find peace in anything or maybe can't even see where Jesus is in the midst of all of that. What would you say from your experience now, what would you say to people who um, just feel like the storm is too powerful? Yeah, I think something that I've really struggled with in this time and maybe my faith my whole life since I've been saved when I was 10 or 11, but like I really looked at faith as almost a transaction. Like I, I do this or I serve and therefore God's going to bless me. Right. Or therefore, God's going to like look down favorably upon me. But <laughs> there's been there's been dark days where like just not happy, like with God. And he's still faithful. Like, you know, it didn't come from me doing an hour and a half prayer time. And then later that day, there was like God showed up or like I got this amazing word. It was in low times. It was in times I didn't want anything to do with God. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was it, <laughs> It just, God's there. I don't, yeah. I don't know it, how else to describe it, whether, like, however we're feeling. And I think there is always a baseline. Like, my belief in God never went away, but it doesn't take me doing something extravagant for that him to then do something extravagant. And it was almost, mm-hmm. I don't know, developed a patience, I guess. But it's not transactional. Mm-hmm. It's not I do this and he does that. I think for me, it's been... Going, like keeping an open heart in those hard times. Um, I do a lot of walks. God always speaks to me on my walks. And sometimes I'm just like, just walking and feeling the feels and and being open to God speaking, whether it's through nature or just like thoughts that come to my mind. And I have never 
kept that posture and not heard from God or not like received something that is sustaining and that like keeps us going. Um, yeah, really just keeping an open posture, I think. Hmm. Well, you know, your story even and the little bit of time I've gotten to know you guys over the last little while um, has has challenged my own life and my own faith life and what I'm willing to even call our church into and there's a gift in that there there's a gift in suffering actually and it's actually suffering that brings authority and suffering that brings spiritual power in our life and we are, um, you know, even as a result of this, just fully kind of on board with you and with Jesus in uh, asking him to transform our own lives, sure. to be that of that persistent widow, to be mm-hmm. an unceasing intercessory prayer kind of person. And I want to thank you guys for allowing yourselves to be prayed for, for being vulnerable and taking the risks to kind of be known uh, in community and to receive prayer, Mm -hmm. uh, which is not always easy to receive from people. And so I just really appreciate that in you. And um, we are praying with you and fighting with you. And we're gonna continue to do that in our monthly days of fasting and prayer until we see God uh, moving. And even when we don't, we're gonna continue that with you. And so thanks for the opportunity to sit down and chat and uh, just to hear your story a little bit more. Yeah, no, thank you. So what do you do when you're in the middle of the storm? I wanna bring you back to this because this fits into Connor and Sarah's life. And I just want to make a couple very brief observations, maybe nothing deep to you, but just things I feel Jesus speaking to me. If we turn back again to Mark 35, 435, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. The trip was Jesus's idea. He always has a purpose. He's always leading towards something. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out. I love how it says they took him into the boat and started out, meaning they were the ones in control. They were all skilled fishermen, not all of them, but some of them were. They took him into the boat. All right, Jesus, you want to go across the lake? You want to do this thing? All right, get in my boat, come along with me. But soon I love the butts of the Bible in a holy and healthy way. (laughs) But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. Your translation may say the stern of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care 
that we're going to drown. Don't you see what's happening around us? Don't you care? This was your idea anyway. I thought I was just following your lead here. I thought I was being faithful to you. And now the storm is breaking into the boat. And even as an experienced fisherman, I don't know what to do anymore. I can't control what's happening. I can't figure my way out of it. I can't deal with this. It's coming at me from every side and we're gonna die, Jesus. Don't you even care? Like we got this diagnosis. Georgia is one of like 12 girls in all of the world who have this diagnosis. Don't you care, Jesus? How could you even be okay with a disease like Leshnai? How could you even be okay with this kind of suffering? Don't you see what's happening? Don't you care? We're gonna drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and waves and said to the waves, silence be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other, even the wind and waves obey him. I just wanna make an observation for you. We've already heard that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, that he is present, he's in the boat so to speak. This recording in the book of Mark, scholars and experts say most likely Mark uh, wrote this book from the sort of the, the personal stories that came from Peter. Peter, as one of the disciples, was a disciple who needed control in everything. He needed control. He wanted to have everything locked down and in its place. He wanted to assert his own kind of purpose and view and power over everything. He wanted to insert himself in. He was the problem solver, the trouble fixer. Peter was the guy that came to your rescue when things were going wrong. He's the guy that came to Jesus' rescue, so he was thinking in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm gonna save you from these Romans that are coming to take you to be crucified. I'm gonna cut off this servant's ear. I'm gonna fix this. And so Peter's dictating most likely this to Mark and he's recounting this story of Jesus in the boat. He's Emmanuel, God with us. But the other thing we learn about this is that Jesus was sleeping in the back or in the stern. Do you realize, and this is amazing coming from maybe Peter dictating, that the stern is the place from which you control the boat. So the expert lifelong fisherman who started out on this journey by saying to Jesus, get in the boat, I'll bring you across, is now overwhelmed, the waves are crashing and he thinks he's gonna die and he's not even in control anymore. The guy in control is sleeping. He's literally sleeping on the mechanism to steer and control the boat. I think that's amazing, coming from Peter, who's a control kind of freak maybe, who needs everything locked down. He's saying, look, Jesus was in the very place, the very place of control. His hands were on the wheel, so to speak. But the cry of the disciples is, why are you sleeping on the wheel? What are you doing, Jesus? I find it interesting. I, I want to ask Jesus this. Did you go there on purpose just to kind of frustrate and annoy them? 
Like, you guys think you're in control of this. You're expert fishermen. I'm just going to have a nap. I'm going to put my pillow right on the rudder and the controls of this thing. Let's see what you do with that, guys, right? And they're like, Jesus, you're sleeping at the wheel. I remember one time growing up, uh, we used to do these cross-country trips back to Ontario here when we lived in Alberta. And for some reason, my dad always, it was, like a, it was like a competition to him. Like, how far can I drive without sleeping, right? Like, guys, let's do all four days without stopping, <laughs> right? Let's just get there. We don't, wanna, we don't need hotels. We don't need to sleep. And so one time, specifically, I remember I was sitting in the front seat. We were in northern uh, Minnesota, the state of Minnesota, because the States is a way better trip to go through than Canada. We're in Minnesota, and it's like early, early morning, like 4.35 in the morning. The, the sun is barely like, it's that early, early dusk or dawn sort of uh, feel. And I remember there actually was like this, this kind of this morning fog or haze and my dad is driving, but he's been driving for like 20 hours already. And he's nodding off like, like big time. And I, I remember this is true, dad, so it doesn't really matter what you think about this story. This is my story right now. But I remember, whether it's true or not, it's just what I remember. I remember him saying, Andrew, just hold the wheel for me, right? Just steer the car, we'll be fine. Right, so I grab the wheel and he's like full on sleeping at the wheel. And finally, I think my mom intervened or something, was like, we've got to stop, Herman. This is ridiculous. What are you doing? You're going to kill us. But he was literally like, just take the wheel. I just want to rest my eyes, right? And that's, what, that's what's happening here. They're like, Jesus, what are you doing? You're sleeping in the very place we need to get to so that we can control this and get out of here. They don't realize in all of their frantic scurrying about trying to fix what's going on, trying to save themselves, trying to empty the boat of water and all of this stuff, that Jesus was resting in the place of authority and control. He wasn't frantically trying to like steer the rudder of the boat. He was sleeping. And in a sense, I think what just God reminded me of this week is that there is someone that we can be so connected to that it doesn't matter what's happening on the lake around us. It doesn't matter if the waves are crashing in the boat, that we can rest because the one who is in control, the one who has the ability to steer us out is himself at rest in the place of leadership and control. That our peace is not dependent on our fixing and on our scheming and our mechanizing, our peace is directly related to how close we are to the one who can solve every issue in our life. I wonder, for them, how long it took them to kind of get it. Like we're frantically screaming, we're gonna die, we're gonna die. And it, didn't seem to occur to them 
that if he was resting and he wasn't anxious and he wasn't nervous, that they didn't need to be either. And how much in our life, even right now, just think of your life and everything that provokes worry or triggers fear or anxiousness or the things you can't control around you that you're, you're grasping, trying to figure out how to, how to make things happen and how to produce results and how to get outcomes that, that you think you need. You're trying to, to imagine and predict the future and you're trying to get answers to questions that God is not willing to reveal to you right now. And you're, you're freaking out and you're panicked. And yet the one who has all authority is at rest. He's not anxious or nervous. Peace is not a thing, it's a person. And peace is proximity, it's closeness to the person. If Jesus isn't worried and nervous about your life, why are you? If he's not worried about COVID, why are you? If he's not worried about the governments of the world, why are you? He's not panicking. He's at rest in the back. You can just just even think of that. Jesus is in the back of the boat. He's in the back. That's the place of direction. He has a purpose and direction for your life. It was his idea to cross the lake. He's present with you and he's at the controls. Jesus has the power and authority we need. If he's at rest, why aren't you at rest with him? His invitation is to step into that place of peace. I just wrote this down, how free, how generous, how faith-filled would we be if we had a greater revelation of the reality that the Prince of Peace is here with us and he's at the controls. He's not directing your life like a robot. He's not kind of like micro minutia asking you to ask him what color socks to wear today. I mean, if you want to, you can. That's not his heart. His heart is for you to so deeply trust him, to be so close to him that it doesn't matter what comes up in life. It doesn't matter what storm you're in the middle of. It doesn't matter what answer to prayer you don't yet have. Like we're praying and fasting for Georgia, for her full healing. And after our kind of first prayer and fasting meeting um, and worship night thing, I was messaging with Connor after and I said, how are you doing? And he said, he was honest. He said, I'm super discouraged. I'm just really discouraged because my heart, I wanted her to walk out of here and she didn't. And I said, yeah, I, I, I know, I get it but we're not gonna stop praying. We're not gonna stop leaning in. We're not gonna stop fighting to be near to the one who has all peace, who's not anxious or worried about George's life or Connor's or Sarah's or yours or your children or your family. Peace is not a thing, it's a person. The question is, are you near to the person of Jesus in your life right now? 
And I don't mean just esoterically or even theologically or doctrinally. Like, are you literally near? And this is what he's been teaching me in this last year is at the moment where I want to get into fix it, control it, uh, troubleshooting, put the fires out mode when I want to insert myself into situations and circumstances, into relational things that are going sideways in others. When I, when I want more information about what's happening, when I want to try and kind of steer toward the future, his invitation is, Andrew, get on your knees and spend time with me. Before you ask that person that thing, before you get into this with them, come to me. Before you start strategizing on how you're going to fix and troubleshoot this solution, come to me. And not just theoretically, like actually do it. I had a thing going on in my life in leadership a few weeks ago, and my greatest desire was to get into the middle, to call people and talk to them right away, and to try and sort things out and troubleshoot. And Jesus said, no, 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 you're backwards. Get on your face before me, and then trust me with this. Surrender it to me. And I literally had to, I got on my knees in my office for an hour. Not that the time matters, but I needed that over the course of that hour. And I didn't even say anything. I was just sitting before him quietly, just saying, Jesus, you're, I trust you with this. You are my great shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I, in this moment, I have everything I need to face every problem that is causing me anxious worry right now. But if I'm not on my knees, then I'm trying to solve the problem for myself. The question is, are you willing to be near him in a real way? I'm going to invite Ben to come up. What would your life be like if you actually didn't just sort of theologically or theoretically know that you're safe with Jesus? What would your life be like if you walked around on this earth right now, in your home, in your relationships, knowing that you were totally, totally safe. Like, what would it actually be like? What kind of things could you dare to dream for your life and for your future? What kind of things would you dare to trust him with? What kind of things would you dare to surrender to him and to give to him if you knew that you were 100% totally safe and secure with him? that nothing come hell or high water could actually jeopardize your safety and security, the feelings that he has towards you, the value that you have in his eyes, the worth that you have. What would your life be like to be totally unhindered in that way? To be totally at ease and at rest in the greatest storm. Jesus is at the back. He's at the stern and he's resting there. And his invitation is, would you come and rest with me? And your resting with me is you putting faith into practice. You not engaging yourself in fixing this right away is you actually trusting me in reality. You coming to me and casting all of your cares and your burdens on me, allowing me to fill you and sustain you and renew you and give you peace. This is you walking in faith and in trust. I'm in the back of the boat, but are you still at the front bailing water? Are you at the front frantically grabbing the oars and trying to steer 
from the wrong spot on the boat? Are you willing to actually entrust yourself to the life and leadership of Jesus? He's not worried or anxious about your life. He's at the back and he's resting. And the great call of Jesus, the great invitation is come into my rest. You don't have to fight this on your own. You don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to know the future. You don't have to plan 64 steps ahead. Maybe you like to, but you don't have to. The great invitation of Jesus is experience my rest and learn to live out of that place. Learn to have a life that's governed by shalom, the, the oneness of our life under the leadership of God. This is the way David said it, Psalm 3. As David was running from his son who raised up a coup to overthrow him, <laughs> David is on the run. He's had to leave the palace. He's left Jerusalem. He's in the wilderness. And his son has mounted an offensive to dethrone him, to shame him. And he says this, oh Lord, I have so many enemies. The waves are huge, God. So many are against me. So many are saying, God will never rescue him. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care we're about to die? Like the waves are coming over the side. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord and he answered me from his holy mountain. And get this, David says, I lay down and slept. I joined Jesus in his rest because I so deeply entrusted my life to him. I stopped fighting, I stopped fixing. For the Lord is watching over me. I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. David was driven from his throne and his palace. He was forced into the wilderness. He was humiliated by his own son. He was betrayed by his family. And yet he says, you are a shield around me. God, with you present, I have nothing to fear. The storms can rage, but I know for me, Jesus is in the back of the boat and he's right where I need him to be and he's right where he needs to be. And my invitation is to stop bailing water at the front and join him at the back. Jesus said, I told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. This is what Isaiah says, Isaiah 26, you will keep in perfect peace. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. When your mind is racing, when it's going a hundred miles an hour in every direction, 
you're scattered, you're confused, you're frustrated, you're weary, you're anxious and worried, when your mind is moving way ahead of you, where do you go? Isaiah says it's those who fix their mind, who actually intentionally redirect their mind to the person of Jesus, to the place of peace that experience his peace. I want to just invite you as we close into prayer. I want to just invite you to close your eyes. The gospels, I believe, were given to us to provoke our imagination. The whole Bible is actually. Contrary to popular belief, our imagination is just not for. It's not only for escaping into unreal reality. Our imagination is given to us by God to re-experience and reimagine what's real. Through our imagination, we actually hold on to reality. Jesus is in the boat with you. He's waiting for you to come back to the back and to be with him. He's waiting for you to ask him to take the lead and to help. Here's what I want us to do. I just, we wanna just take a few moments of prayer. Jesus said to his disciples just before he was leaving, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, in a very real way, is present here and we need a revelation of his real, real reality and the peace that he carries. We need to experience it for ourselves. So Holy Spirit, as we pray, I just ask that you would uh, just invade our imaginations and our minds even right now. And Father, uh, likewise, in the name of Jesus, I just restrict access um, to anything unholy from entering into our thought life or our minds right now in Jesus' name. All over this place and this time, in the name of Jesus, I forbid you enemy of God, any demonic power from having influence or access to our minds right now. And I ask Holy Spirit that you would bring into our imagination the reality of Jesus. I want you just to imagine yourself on that boat. I want you to picture the waves crashing in and the spray of the waves coming over the side of the boat. And I want you to imagine yourself just struggling against the storm. And I want you to just turn around in your mind's eye, in your imagination, just turn around and look to the back of the boat. Jesus is in the back. I want you just to go and be near him in the back. Here's what I'm going to pray over all of us just in these moments. Holy Spirit, I'm just asking that you would bring to our imagination, to our minds, to our recollection right now, a specific person or circumstance that, that is representative of the storm. 
bring to our minds a, a, a situation or a circumstance right now that feels totally overwhelming, that is provoking fear in us or worry or anxiousness, that is robbing us of peace and rest. And just as a face comes to mind for you or a situation presents itself, I don't want you to say anything. Jesus knows exactly what's going on in your life. I don't want you to say anything to him. All I want you to do is just with your hands, I want you to present to him that person or that situation that is causing you to worry. That storm that's raging around you right now that you can't control, that you can't steer out of. I just want you to present it to him. hold it before him and I want you to just ask him and you can do this in your just quietly under your breath or just in your mind Jesus what do you want me to know about this person or this circumstance is asking you and you can just keep your eyes closed what he's inviting you to is to actually hand over that person or that situation that storm in your life to hand it over to him so i want you just to in your in your imagination in your mind you're in the boat in the back with jesus and i want you to just picture yourself handing to entrusting to jesus greatest cares and concern, the thing that he's brought to your mind, the thing that's robbing you of your peace and your joy, the life you had once, the, the fire for God that you had once. I want you to notice in Jesus's face, he's not burdened by you. He's not overwhelmed with what you're giving to him. He's not stressed out. I want you to notice in his face is this furious love for you. This undying devotion to be faithful to you. This holy fire of love. Like you're totally utterly safe because of him. I'm just going to ask Jesus and I'm going to ask you, Holy Spirit, the same thing. Would you just speak a word of life or truth over everyone present here? Would you enter into the reality of their life and speak truth, speak peace and life over them? 
just want you to sit and listen for what Jesus would want to say over you today. Jesus says things like, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Like I'm totally faithful to you. I love you. He says things like, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He says things like, my mercy is new every day. He says things like, lift your head. You don't need to walk in shame and regret anymore. He says things like, trust me. You can trust me with your life. You can trust me in the storm. He says things like, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. The rest your soul is aching for and longing for is found and met in the presence of Jesus. He's in the back of the boat. I want you just to end this prayer time by just thanking him. Just thank him for his strength and his power and his goodness and his leadership. Thank him for being in the boat with you. We thank you, Father. You do all things well. Father, I thank you that you have a purpose and a design for every life here. I thank you that you have a calling and a, a mandate for every person here. I thank you that you have a, a kingdom role and assignment for every person here. Father, I thank you that, that for everyone here, they have strength through the name of Jesus. I thank you that we are your sons and your daughters. We are adopted by you. We have been brought near to you, Father, because of and through Jesus Christ. And it was what you wanted to do. And it gave you great pleasure to have us near to you again. I thank you, Father, that everything in the heavenly realms is available to us. Every blessing in heavenly places has been made available to us through the blood of Jesus and the sacrificial death of Christ on the cross. I thank you, Father, that every promise is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. I thank you that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, and that he is at rest in the place of all authority and control. The work has been finished. I thank you for the invitation that we can come to you and find hope in you and purpose in life and rest in you. So Jesus, teach us to go to the back of the boat. When we're tempted to bail water and try and slap away the waves in, in the storms around us, teach us to turn direction and go to the back of the boat to you. And Father, I pray for just a, a provoking and igniting of a the fire of faith in every person here, the faith to trust God in deeper ways with their finances and with their families and with their future and their work and their calling, the vision you've given them, ignite a, a holy fire in us again to trust you for the great things that you've deposited into our hearts and our lives. 
Father, for whatever you provide for the Prebianca family today, I pray that we would give in, in generosity and in joy. Father, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name for Georgia's life, I ask Jesus that you would speak a better word over her body, over her DNA, over every cell and structure and system that's been designed and created by you to be life-giving, to be life-affirming uh, and strengthening. To You've caused her and created her to walk in joy before you. And so, Father, we just declare your word over her body. We contend for her healing. We ask, Father, for a mighty work of God and we we give ourselves to their family in prayer and in support. We ask that you would strengthen them. Father, even through this offering today, that you would strengthen them, encourage them, give them faith and hope and perseverance in the middle of the storm. And Father, as we prepare to give even next week above and beyond, I just ask that you would move in faith and empower in every home this week be a revival of joy and peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.